Four years ago, on Father's Day, I preached my last sermon. So since this is my last sermon again, I've decided to unload on all, all of you. You're getting four years of pent-up, frustrated preacher. <laughs> I figure Pastor Amy and Pastor Bellarmi are gone. Pastor Chad isn't here yet. And I've sworn Pastor Rebecca to secrecy. So unless you rat me out, I'm golden. Let's get down to it, shall we? If this is my last shot, there are three things I think it is most important for you all to know. Number one, the Bible is a mess. Other religions have it easy. Their holy writ was dictated directly by God or an angel or handed to them on plates of gold. We should have it so good. No, our book is actually 66 books with some three dozen authors written over a period of at least 1,500 years. To make matters worse, God couldn't even decide on one language. It's written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Did I mention that there are 23 books and letters that are cited in the Bible for which we do not have one existing manuscript? The Bible is a hot mess. In 1978, 300 of our evangelical brethren got together in Chicago and thought they had an answer to this messiness. They just declared the Bible to be infallible and inerrant, incapable of being wrong or, or having an error. There are just a few problems with this position. The Bible never makes that claim for itself. Matthew chapter 27 quotes the prophet Zechariah, but attributes the quote to the prophet Jeremiah. Their answer to this and hundreds if not thousands of internal inconsistencies is to say that the original documents are infallible and inerrant. Oh well, that solves it, right? Now where did I lay those original manuscripts? You see, the main problem with this argument, besides the fact that it's a circular fallacy, is that an infallible, inerrant Bible requires an infallible and inerrant interpreter. And I'm sure that there are probably a number of those people who were there in 1978, if they're still with us, who feel they meet that qualification. And if we would all unquestionably accept their interpretation, things would be so much simpler. 
Only God is infallible and inerrant. Otherwise, we would worship the Bible. So then, if the Bible isn't perfect, we can just pitch it, right? I mean, the Bible was written so long ago and handed down over so many years. Church leaders changed it and threw out the parts they didn't like. The evidence is so flimsy. How do we even know that some guy by the name of Jesus even actually existed? But here's the truth. There is no work from antiquity, none, that has more evidence for its validity than the New Testament. Nothing even comes close. The poet Homer's Iliad and Odyssey has over 1,000 ancient manuscripts in existence, far more than any other ancient author. The earliest of these dates to about 500 years from the original. There are more than 20,000 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament. Over two and a half million pages within the first 150 years from their writing. We have 12 manuscripts that contain 43% of the New Testament's verses. The oldest of which is from the Gospel of John and dates within probably a few decades of the original. The three oldest full manuscripts of the New Testament date to as early as 325 AD. And before the New Testament was canonized, in 405 AD. And if all these documents were to disappear and all our present Bibles would suddenly go poof, we could reconstruct the entire New Testament from over a million of the ancient church fathers, the bishops, presbyters, deacons, theologians, and apologists. And then there's this to consider. The New Testament authors either knew the principles, including Jesus Christ, or the disciples of the apostles. So their information was no more than secondhand and from many sources. Paul, who wrote the lion's share, knew Peter, John, and James, and the other apostles, along with Mark and Luke, plus hundreds of people who had witnessed the risen Christ. The whole of the New Testament was completed within the lifetime of the resurrection of Jesus. There is nothing that even begins to compare. Bible scholars have an embarrassment of riches. And we have far fewer ancient manuscripts of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament 
Because the tradition of Judaism is to destroy a copy that has become dirty or torn. Fortunately, in 1947, a Bedouin shepherd boy threw a stone into a clave, hit a clay pot, and discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. That single discovery filled an 850-year gap between those copies and the next oldest existing manuscript, proving how meticulously the book's content had been preserved for millennia. Here's what the Bible does claim for itself. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's from 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. The key word here is inspired, not, not dictated. The Bible is an amazing record of God's self-revelation to humanity and humanity's interpretation and interaction with God. Some people like to call it the Bible the Word of God. It certainly has the Word of God in it. It also has theological arguments and opposing ideologies. For example, the Bible tells us that the Moabites and the Samaritans were unclean and evil people. And then the Bible tells us that King David's great-grandmother was a Moabite named Ruth. And that the single lonely Samaritan of the ten lepers that Jesus healed was the only one who came back to thank Jesus and to worship him. And then, of course, there's the story, Jesus' story, of the good Samaritan. The Bible tells us that eunuchs and foreigners cannot become part of the family of God. And then we read the story of the miraculous conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch by Philip. You see, as much as the Bible tells us about God, it tells God even more about us.